welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came All right, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer, Judge Jerry. Hey. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What's going on, Gene? Well, not much. Megan Hills has uh, contacted me. She's uh, sick tonight. She has laryngitis, which you can't have that uh, and do a podcast. And she is a professional broadcaster, so she knows, and she knows all that stuff. So, so uh, I'm carrying her duties tonight as well, and that will include introducing a musical guest that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, uh, props to Casey Campbell who. Gets really good people as usual. And he's got one, Abe Partridge, who uh, is a very quickly rising folk star from the Southeast and uh, former evangelical minister, former Air Force vet, or is an Air Force vet. And um, looking for, he's, for, you know, was born in Alabama and I think he's in Kentucky. We'll find out when we chat with him in a few minutes. Uh, so Abe Partridge, stick around for that. Uh, Jerry, each week we uh, beseech you to uh, give us an analysis of something going on. And my God, there's always so much going on. So you probably have a pretty long menu that you can pick from. And would you yeah. select this week? Talk to us. OK, well, the news for the past few days has been filled with stories about how Democrats are divided between liberal progressives and the more conservative moderates, divided over what should be part of President Biden's domestic agenda, specifically whether his $3.5 trillion proposal is too expensive. That is to say, should all the suggested social programs be tied into the infrastructure bill? Well, that's the debate. And though some of the intricacies can cause one's eyes to gloss over here, let me see if I can connect the dots and point out what's at stake. Point number one, the single most important issue is the survival of our democracy. For if we don't survive, if this nearly 250 year experiment on whether a nation of the people can in fact be governed by the people in free and democratic elections, whether this grand experiment known as the United States of America, whether this experiment is now finally over. And if you conclude that it shouldn't be, that America should be saved, then there is only one issue that transcends all others, against which all others pale and ultimately fail. And that is, Donald Trump must not be elected president in 2024. Understand, if he by some chance is, then the beginnings of the insurrection, of the assault on our government that we witnessed on January 6th, the relentless effort to dismantle our treasured institutions, be it the courts, the free press, our constitution, free elections, our Congress, all the damage he's visited upon our nation during his four years in the White House, will get another four-year run, enough time to finish the job. And this time, there will be no restraints left, no institutions, no guardrails, nothing left 
to stop the treasonous insanity. Which brings me to point two. The only way to stop Trump in 2024, assuming he's healthy enough to run, is for Democrats to win in 2022. Everything rides on next year's elections. This is why. If Republicans win back the Senate and House next year, which history suggests they might well do, the president's party usually loses seats in the first midterm election, Trump then has a pretty smooth road to 2024. Why? Well, with the Republican Senate and House, there'll be no way the federal government will be able to counter all the voter suppression bills that the states are now passing, which makes a Democratic victory in 2024 even more difficult, not to mention all the damage Republicans can do to whatever the Democrats have passed in the meantime. Simply put, if we don't win in 2022, there is no 2024. And if Trump is back in 2024, there's no more American democracy. That is not an exaggeration. As I said before, an unrestrained Trump will continue the work that he and Bannon and the white supremacists and Republican-enabled right wing started back in 2017, which was revealed on January 6th the work to dismantle our fragile multicultural democracy, to be replaced by an authoritarian regime that once again will refuse to give up power. But this time, their effort will be successful, for there'll be no institutions left to stop him. Okay, so we see the problem. We've got to win next year in 2022. How can that be done? Biden's agenda must be passed by the Democrats. The progressives are right on the issues. This is what the people were promised. Infrastructure, including the social programs dealing with health care, child care, elder care, poverty, and the environment. But to get the moderates, Senators Manchin and Cinema, to go along and pass these bills, the progressives must be willing to compromise on the price tag, to accept less than they want at this time, and realize that once people start getting their benefits from these programs, they in the future won't stand for them to be taken away. That's what happened with Obamacare. Despite the initial controversy, once people had it, it was political suicide to try to take it away. The progressives must be willing to take smaller steps now, knowing that they will get their way in the near future. But if they don't compromise, Biden's agenda will be dead on arrival. And there goes a Democratic victory in 2022. Why do I say that? If we're honest with ourselves, the main reason we won the presidential election in 2020 was America's understandable disgust with Trump. But in 2022, Trump is not on the ballot. So people won't be coming out to vote against him. Democrats, therefore, have to give voters, other than their hatred of Trump, they have to give voters a reason to vote Democrat. That means we have to deliver on what Biden promised, what he promised women, what he promised African-Americans and minorities what he promised the vast middle class of working Americans. And if we can't deliver on what was promised, 
Why should they vote for us when there's no Trump to be afraid of? So there you have the formula. To save and or restore American democracy, we have to make sure Trump is not elected in 2024. To make sure he's not, we have to win in 2022 to make sure we don't have a Republican Congress and Senate to pave the way for him. To make sure we win in 2022 with no Trump on the ballot to vote against, we have to do something to bring Democrats to the polls on this midterm election. And that can only happen if we deliver on what we promised, to demonstrate that when Democrats win and have power, it can make a positive difference in their everyday lives. And all this will only happen if the progressives are willing to compromise on the price tag. If they don't, the price will be the loss of our democracy, a price none of us can afford. Excellent, Jerry. Very well reasoned. Thanks. Thanks. That's good. Uh, loosely related, when you talk about you know what things threaten democracy, there's a big controversy going on this week uh, relative to Facebook, and it was brought home to me and us, and I'm going to bring it home to you because it touches the Jerry Springer podcast. So uh, here's what happens. Occasionally, we run some ads, and we've advertised several ways on the Jerry Springer podcast. I'll be completely transparent. We did ads that ran a uh, lot of logical places for us, Asheville, North Carolina, very liberal little enclave. I think we may, may have done Boulder, Colorado. We did Chicago, L.A., Cincinnati, where you're well-known, et cetera. And then, but we also run some ads today where you pay a very minimal amount of money. And I think uh, David Proust, our technical producer, he, who's on mic with us, uh, say hello, David. Hello, everyone. And in the pre-podcast conversation, I said to David, what the hell is play the ad? But here's why we shouldn't play it. Uh, Facebook banned the ad. And the fun in this conversation is going to be about, well, what the hell's in the ad? Because I'm like on the edge of my chair. Well, what ad could the Jerry Springer podcast run that Facebook would say you can't run that? They literally took it down. Well, the reason I don't want to play it is if we play it, then we're playing the ad on Facebook yeah, because we're on is. Facebook Live don't play right it. now. Hello, Facebook Live viewers and listeners. We're happy to have you. And then I don't want to piss them off where they say, well, I'm going to kick the whole show off Facebook. We don't want that. Uh, we like being on Facebook because it's a social media. It's a platform, yeah. right? So the ad uh, was simply a soundbite that David Proust cleverly pulled from a conversation an episode or two ago in which Jerry Springer pointed out, and before I even tell you the rest, the goal of our ad, Jerry, is simply to get people to know why they should listen to that particular episode. Right. All right? It's a, it's a, it's a tease. And it's a soundbite that turns into a tease that you go, oh, I want to hear that podcast, and then you tune in. That was our goal. Our goal was not to promote a candidate, it wasn't uh, promoting a ballot issue, is simply like, listen to this episode, because in it, 
my buddy Springer, who for as long as I've known him, which goes back to when he got out of law school and I, he started lawyering, I started working in education, is he has this ability to see some things clearly and quickly that the rest of us are a step behind on. And he's a good analyst. So Jerry caught this fact that in the same point in history, officials from the state of Texas passed in their legislature a state statute, which then got tested in the Supreme Court. That's not quite done yet, by the way. But uh, step one, the conservatives won, which is to say, in essence, a woman does not have control over her own body, whereby she could choose to have an abortion. And then he juxtaposed that in one sentence or two, while the same state is now using the same argument to say that citizens shouldn't have any vaccine, COVID-19 we're talking, vaccine mandates, because they have control, should have control of their own bodies. He simply pointed out that illogical dichotomy, right, Jerry? Right. If you're going to say, yeah. And David put in front of that soundbite, and it was captured on Facebook Live, so you got to see Jerry saying it as well. Most of our listeners listen through the archive audio only, it doesn't matter, but, but it's all, also on Facebook. It, it's ran on Facebook. That's where the ad ran. And he put in front of it what we would call in the TV business a chiron, uh, some verbiage on a screen. He put that in front of the soundbite saying Jerry points out this inconsistency in their own arguments. That was the ad whose purpose was to get people to know what the content was on an episode to listen to the damn episode. Facebook and and what David Proust and I think and and, and boy they're, they're living with this today this very day this is October the fifth two thousand and twenty one they have a whistleblower that today and yesterday was uh, that whistleblower was before the Senate today maybe the Senate yesterday maybe it was the House yesterday I don't know that part I don't recall but she's been testifying now for isn't it the second day in which she's pointing out that the Facebook, she's attacking these algorithms. But Facebook, not to get too far down in the weeds technologically, because I don't understand this crap anyway, but the algorithms means that some computer can pick up patterns of words and the algorithms are like a set of standards. You can't do this, you can't do that. And they'll grab these, these patterns of words and then the computer, probably, there may not even be a human being involved in this, David and I think, then said, oh, this is uh, political and this is an ad and this is about, I don't know what the hell the computer thought. And then the computer, for all we know, a human being never even got involved in this. An email gets sent out to David Proust because he's the one that purchases the ads and said, and we think it's just this ad. We don't know. We're going to test it by putting up yeah. another ad that is much more innocuous just to test it. But they killed that ad. Now, one, one last piece of background. Facebook, after November 8th of the last election, uh, they 
killed out all political they had to. And, and 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 the word was they did it because with all this stuff going on about was the election stolen and this and all these things and ads were running and advocacy ads points of view and they killed them but they reopened it in march a few months ago but here's the thing and david this is a step maybe you can tell us whether you knew this and, and check this box to now run what facebook is going to interpret as a political ad you have to come through a different door i'm using a metaphor here you got to come through the political ad door in which you, David, identify yourself as to who you are. That's easy to do. You probably have already done that. You're the admin doing this uh, with Facebook on our behalf. And, and you, you have to put a disclaimer, you know, a paid for yeah. by. How the hell are we going to do that? It wasn't an ad for anything other than listen to this episode in which this topic came up. It's that's the background. Yeah, you got to feel like if you're Facebook that you're trying to police a huge, giant zoo of people that you really don't have much control over, you know. Right. So I'm trying to figure out, Jerry, if I'm pissed off at anybody. I don't know. Yeah. How does this, you're an attorney, you're Judge Jerry. How does this all sound to you? What? Beyond just funny that they killed an ad that wasn't trying yeah. to get somebody else. I think right now they're under fire from all sides. Mm -hmm. And so, yep. you know, what are they to do to try to figure out some way they can deal with some, for example, I don't even know, and maybe I should, I don't know whether there's something on a ballot in Texas regarding uh, mandatory masks. And if, for ex example, okay. this ad referred, at least in substance, to what the campaign is in Texas, yes. then it does go through, as you said, the political door. And, you know, yeah. so I guess the larger question is, which, you know, what sh should there be regulation of what Facebook and all these platforms do? And then you get to the question, if you say, no, there shouldn't be any regulation, that's one answer. But if you say there has to be some then the question is, where do you draw the line? So I'm not ready yet, even though I think it is kind of silly based on what our intention was. I don't know how they would know what our specific intention was. I think you're right. I think if certain words are said, some computer picks it up and boom. It's just the same thing when you're on your iPhone and you're talking about something, suddenly you see an ad come your way mm -hmm. on the on the product and you don't even know what that product is. What are they doing? How did I get that? <laughs> so I'm not, Correct. I'm not shocked that this happened. So I think there's a, a larger issue whether, because if they're complaining, just listen to what I say in my podcast, you know, never mind about a, a one sentence ad, you know, I've just spent five minutes saying, you know, how bad I think, uh, you know, the country was doing under Trump. You know, that, there's a lot <laughs> for people to get angry about what I say. And, and that ad was just. Uh, well, I have a solution and I don't know if you're going to go along with this, but I really, really think we should do this. I think I should sue <laughs> Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. Yeah. 
Can I attend? Can I, I attend the deposition? <laughs> can I attend the deposition? Oh, it's going to be much better than that because I'd like to do it in uh, Kenton County, Kentucky Small Claims Court. And if we had determined that he has to, uh, you know, accept that he's been sued over this issue, then I want you please to talk to one of your producers to get me and Mark Zuckerberg on Judge Jerry to adjudicate it there. <laughs> yeah. If if he agrees to have <laughs> uh, uh, oh, you know, some things are just uh, so stupid on its face. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, if you sued him for $5,000, which is like if, you know, for him, if, you know, if a nickel fell out of his pocket, you know, he wouldn't you know, down the, the dilemma most of us face, you know, when a penny or a nickel falls up, do you really stop the people behind you so you can pick it up? <laughs> or you, you pretend that that didn't come out of your pocket. That's how he would view yeah, your five thousand dollar lawsuit. But right. if hey, hey, listen, about uh, two summers ago, and I, I think I talked about this on one of our episodes. I was with my wife uh, at uh, the top of the mountain range in Glacier National Park. So we're talking northern Montana, up near Canada. And there is a place up there that's sort of like a visitor center. And it's, in my opinion, one of the most magnificent places in all of America because it's like Austria. It's like at the top of the Swiss Alps. And so we're up there and we had uh, hiked the trail. We were out for a night. We were coming back. We were actually waiting for a shuttle bus to get us back to the very front end of the park many miles away to get our car and the rest of our gear. And we're there, and Bonnie, my wife, says to me, that's Mark Zuckerberg. And he was walking past all of us people who were just up there. It's a beautiful sunny day. Just, you know, either waiting for a shuttle or, or whatever, you know, just being up there. And if this had happened, Jerry... In that you time context, you would have served I'd have shouted him. to him. You would have served him with papers. I chased him. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Zuckerberg. He was with like, yeah, Mr. Zuckerberg. Yeah. 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 superintendent, all these rangers. I'd have been in handcuffs, oh, yeah. you know, headed, headed for whatever jail they have in a national park. Anyway, all right, we got that cleared up. So, uh, David, we, got, we need to run an ad. Uh, we need to run an ad now promoting something, not, not chat chart. I'm going to talk about <laughs> that in a future episode. We have some real problems. Let's just say this. This is like a, a tease for a future podcast. You all need to tune in next episode because we have some real problems with a phone app that Jerry Springer brought to this podcast called Chat Chart. I didn't bring it Apparently to this a business what are you he's talking associated about? That with. That is total something. nonsense. Well, that was your idea. <laughs> I didn't, they just asked me to make an ad. I don't know anything more than that. We'll get yeah. into that. We'll get into that in the future. That's the next episode. <laughs> 
Anyway, hey, let's swing back to Abe Partridge. And I was bragging on him when we first came on the air. And uh, first of all, hello, Abe Partridge. Thanks for being on the Jerry Springer podcast. How are you doing tonight? Hello, Gene. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. And Abe, right off, tell us, uh, wh- where are you right now? Where Where are you? You're not in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, correct? No, sir. I, I, I get up that ways a lot, but right now I'm in South Alabama. Okay. South Alabama. Is that where yes, it, what you call home these days? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I reside down. I was born and raised down here. Okay. I just watched yesterday. I actually watched it Sunday till they canceled it and watched yesterday Talladega NASCAR. I don't know if you're a NASCAR oh, yeah. fan. I'm a big NASCAR fan. <laughs> actually, no, no, not really. <laughs> All right. Well, by the way, hey, just since I brought this, not to cut into your time, Bubba yeah. Wallace, yeah. who is from Alabama and he is a uh-huh. race car driver and his car owner, there are two, Danny Hamlin, who is uh, also an NASCAR driver and Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace is African-American. He won Talladega yesterday. It was a big deal because oh. it's the first uh, cup race, as they call it, that he's ever won. And it was uh, only the second African-American driver ever in the history of the, of the league to have won that. So anyway, so you're all oh, right. Wow. So you're from Alabama. You're in Alabama. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your bio talks about you being trained as an evangelical minister and that you were also in the Air Force. Tell us a little bit about your background here on those two things. Yes, sir. I was. Uh... I left, I left Mobile, Alabama when I was 18 years old and I got a, I got a theological education. We wouldn't have called ourselves evangelicals at that right. time. We would have called ourselves fundamentalists. Okay. But, gotcha. Uh, yeah, sir. And, uh, I, I was a, I was a Baptist preacher for nine years. And then, uh, whenever I, I ended up pastoring a church in Kentucky and then I left, uh, I finally, when I was 27, had enough of that and, and, uh, left, came back to Mobile and joined the air force where I've been serving. I'm, I'm still technically, uh, I'm still a reservist. So. Oh, wow. darn. So you did yeah. the air force after having been a nine year fundamentalist preacher in Kentucky. That's, that's correct. Do you find so. yourself, amazing you background. find yourself, have you been in military situations at 30,000 feet and all of a sudden you find yourself praying <laughs> any old prayers come to mind uh, uh yeah I've yeah said a few okay. prayers yes sir <laughs> <laughs> interesting where did you serve as a preacher in kentucky specifically where were you yeah, it was in it was in us it was in the, the right in the corner down where tennessee and virginia and kentucky all collide it was a little town called middlesbrough in bell county wow so we're, we're talking over on the east side southeastern east- kentucky Yes, sir. In the Appalachian Mountains. Yes, sir. I'll be darned. And uh, you're getting great reviews on your music. And you've been compared to Tom Waits, who was a old folk singer that, you know, when I was coming up and Jerry, too, yeah. came back back in the 60s and into the 70s yeah. and beyond. Uh, so you have an album out. Is that correct? Uh, Cotton Fields and uh, Blood for Days. Yes, sir. I, I released that uh, album back in 2018. All right. I uh, and I've got a. I got a. I'm 
next weekend I'm signing a deal for another record to be coming out in the first quarter of 2022. So that is fantastic. Jerry Springer, you gotta love the name of that first album, cotton fields and blood for days. Where the hell did you get that title? That is so cool. Well, I actually wrote a song called the ghost of mobile and, uh, it was uh, it was it was lyrics from that song. For, for when I was a little baby, my yeah. mama would rock me in the cradle. That's <laughs> yeah. God, that's uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, well, you know, down down here uh, in Mobile, the um, a lot, for a long time our economy was uh, was dominated by the cotton uh, yeah. cotton production and stuff. You know shipping down here is a port town okay and uh really that that song that i wrote was just about um uh this the city where i live coming to terms with uh uh its own past i guess you could say but uh and and cotton cotton fields and blood for days was just like kind of a poetic way to say that nice 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 and you're also a visual folk artist is that correct well, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I paint and uh, and and uh, and go, travel around and show my paintings and stuff like that too. Yes, sir. I got to tell you, Abe, you, you got a hell of a cool background. I mean, you when you stand back and look, the dude's been in the Air Force, which he, you know, back when I was uh, draft age, as we called it, because. Uh, both Jerry and I uh, were around right in the heart of the Vietnam War and came out of school right, right at that time. And, mm-hmm. and we were like, you know, guys like us got drafted and guys like us not only got right. drafted, but got sent to Vietnam. And a lot of us didn't believe in, right. believe in the war. So you and some guys then would join other branches, be it reserves, National Guard. Air Force even to uh, which was good service. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Everything I just said, those are all real service to America, right, Absolutely. Jerry? So we're not we're not looking down on any of those. Jerry served in a reserve unit, and we're not. Right. But you go into the Air Force just because you go into the Air Force, and God bless you for doing that you know, uh, sort of mid career. And you say, what was, what was well, your motivation? At, at that point, at that part, uh, that, that portion of my life, I was, um, I was 27 years old. I yeah. was, um, uh, I had a wife of, uh, about five years and I had two children mm-hmm. and, uh, I had, I had no intention. I, I had spent, you know, my entire adulthood, uh, studying theology and and pastoring a church and and i intended not to go back to that so when i joined the military i was primarily looking for a skill a marketable skill sounds good sounds the air the air force offered me the opportunity to learn how to do um, avionics work on c-130s and so that's what i've been doing for 14 years now um that was a good decision so did you, did you do four years and then you're in the reserves still, or did you do two? What was your? Uh, I did. So I did three years of three active years. time. And, okay. and then, and then I went to, into the reserves and uh, I went over the desert in 2013 and 14. Wow. And that when I came back home, that was, um, that was really the, 
that was what kick-started me into trying to um, bring my art into the world. Wow. Well, yeah. Abe, uh, you know, we're going to have you back on again, and maybe we'll get you to talk about how the military experience in the desert, were you in Iraq or Afghanistan? Where were you? I was in a place called uh, Al-Udid Air Force Base in Qatar. Okay. So we lo- we'd love to hear how that impacted your art your art it'd be it'd be good well we'll hold that for a future episode because we're going to have you back this is good stuff so uh like you to do a song what do you you have for us tonight this song is called i wish i was a punk rocker all right i wish i was a punk rocker by abe park thank you i put on my black steel toes and my Tweed jacket from Goodwill I'm gonna get me some black sunglasses Just like Dylan used to wear Gonna go to my barber and tell him Won't you do me up the wildest of hair And as I sit there I'll look in the mirror Cause I wish I, I was a punk rocker Cause it seems like the right thing to do Yes, I wish I, I was a punk rocker Cause it seems like the right thing Stars, they get all the ladies, the best drugs, and the top shelf booze. But they play just exactly whatever them big record labels choose. They fill arenas and they count their money, and they do all the big stuff that rock stars do. Punk rocker can tell you the truth Cause he's got nothing to lose Yes, I wish I I was a punk rocker Cause it seems like the right thing to do Yes, I wish I Cause it seems like the right thing to do Big 
joke at your school If you ain't into anything Them other kids think is cool If you're angry or a bit depressed If you ain't worried about being a star Well just scream it like your heart's on fire And beat a guitar Lord, I wish I, I was a punk rocker Cause it seems like the right thing to do And yes, I wish I, I was a punk rocker Cause it seems like the right thing Man, All man, right. That's a good yes. song. Thank you. Great job. Man, that's that's a that's a good song. And and Jerry, you agree. This this guy oh, yeah. has got a really interesting sound in the lyrics. Um I don't know. I like all the you're like in your 30s. Am I right about that, Abe? How old are you? I just turned 40. So all right. I just, I just don't just look at day over you know, 30. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> That hey, you have a lot of references in your well, the song title "Cotton Fields" and uh, "Blood for Days" is a reference back to a, I don't know what I consider a 1960s folk song, "Cotton Fields," and then you make references in the the uh, lyrics of that song about, you know, the Dylan stuff, and uh, you, you you've yeah. got your uh, your old beyond you're uh, an old soul. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I grew up listening to my dad's uh, rock and roll records. All right. Well, you can tell it. You've yeah. got a uh, good background. All right. Abe Partridge. Uh, Abe, where can people hear you? Are you on all the usual platforms? Uh, hey, I'm, I'm everywhere where you find music, okay. uh, but I try to always direct people to abepartridge.com. Abepartridge.com. P-A-R-T-R-I-D-G-E. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, first name, Abe, A-B-E, apartridge.com. Thank you, Abe. And uh, as I say, Thank we're going to we're gonna bring you back if you're willing. And Jerry Springer, yes, along with Casey Campbell, our music coordinator, are going to take us out on Down by the Riverside. See you all next time. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Way down, down by the riverside Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside.